We are live. Hello and welcome to another episode of Founder Hacks, our podcast where we share something we've seen, something we've read and something we've learned that's been a source of inspiration for the founders and entrepreneurs that we work with. Uh, let me start by saying hello and welcome to Anthony Enright. Hello and welcome back at you. Thank you very much. And of course, hello and welcome to Alex Moore. Hello, gentlemen. Good to see you again. Good to see you both, as always. So this week's uh, Founder Hacks are on the theme of getting it wrong, uh, something that I suspect many of our <laughs> listeners, if they are, I've, I've done it a lot. I've done uh, it a lot. If they're uh, involved in founding or leading businesses, uh, getting it wrong is something that is going to happen. As much as we might like to think it won't, um, I fear it's inevitable. So we've got three little experiences uh, about that, and I believe Anthony, you've seen something you're going to share with us on it. I have seen something, and it's quite difficult. Um, so I'll, I'll try and keep it as succinct as possible without breaking any confidences. And it's an organisation that I've been working with for the last couple of years. Uh, they've, they've grown probably 30-40% each year. Um, and what we have is we have somebody within the organisation, the, the person leading the business, who clearly has um, their strengths and clearly has their weaknesses. And what I've seen is an area within the business that is not their strength, and actually has never really had an ability to work in that area and has brought somebody in to take that area over and because of their lack of experience knowledge and also because of their lack of connection to that area they've just let that person come in and and, and get on and to the detriment of themselves and the business we've now seen that a year after letting them get on that actually they've um, it's actually been quite, some of the things they've done have been quite disastrous for the business. So it's very painful. It's really hard to see um, because actually it was all with best intention. But the reality now is some hard decisions that are having to be made in that organisation because what we've done is we've trusted somebody to come in who's highly experienced, well referenced, um, paid well, but actually is just, they've got it really wrong. But ultimately the leader has got it really wrong because. They've just abdicated responsibility to them. And so I guess the question that I'm left pondering is, what do you do in that situation to not get it wrong? What do you do when there's an area of the business where you that, that is fundamental to the growth, but isn't the main area of the business, isn't maybe the main service or product that you provide, but is a main uh, function of the organisation where you just don't get it or don't connect to? What, what do you do in that scenario to make sure that you don't get it wrong? That's what I was left pondering. Alex, what do you, yeah, uh, what I, do I you love, think? I love how you pose a difficult question, then you throw it to me and Ben to answer it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> God, that's really hard. That's really hard. But um, yeah, a couple of things jump out at me. I think, you know, having sitting on various boards, I, I do see a difference between an organically grown business and a, and a funded one. And with the organic one, I do see a lot of founders, they literally start from scratch. And they have to learn everything. They have to learn how to be the FD. They have to be, learn to be the head of people. They have to learn to be the marketing department. And at that point, although it's a more painful, lengthy experience, in a, a, a process, in my experience, and I, I had to do that, by the way, with my restaurant business, Roses, it allowed me to, I, I sort of get to a general level of proficiency 
And then I'd be able to outsource it knowing roughly how it worked. Wouldn't necessarily be particularly good at it, but that that's that that's interesting. So for me, a founder that grows their business super slowly and does everything and builds it one by one probably wouldn't experience this very much. That's that's one comment. My other thing is if you do have to do it, from my experience, I would say yeah, spend a lot of time briefing that person and then watch them. So this whole thing, I don't really understand that side of my business. I'm going to hire this bloke uh, or woman that comes along and 800 quid a day and they should be able to do it. That is a recipe for disaster from, from, my, from my point of view. That's the, look, you know, I, for me, a founder, I don't really understand this side of the business. I need to get better at it. Um, we need to have weekly chats and I need to watch what you're doing. Once I'm happy with that, then I'll uh, move on. But I, I need to give this a lot of attention because I'm not very good at it. That's my two takes. I'm sure Ben has got something more profound to say. It's a very interesting perspective, actually, the difference between organic and funded. And of course, I've done both. Um, you know, I would certainly say that if you found a business or a part of a business that is growing organically, you've lost the right to be not good at stuff, I'm afraid, in my view. It is, and it's one of the things that often when someone approaches me and says that they've got a business they want to start, which happens from time to time because people sort of know what I do, one of the first things I always say to them is, okay, you want to start the business because you're good at this thing. Maybe you're brilliant at making antique furniture. Do you know what a balance sheet is? Because if you don't, that's a problem. And and it, it again, it's something people who perhaps have been employed for most of their lives it's something you do notice they kind of go oh no 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 that's that's not my strength i don't do that yeah i, I can't do that i'm rubbish at numbers I yeah hate that. i hate sorry I'm rubbish at tech yeah I'm exactly tech. Like, oh, I'm, i don't do tech i don't do numbers <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's, it's the price to come oh my on. god yes yeah and 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 actually if you are if you've made the choice to be in a business and start a business you don't have that right anymore to choose to be not good at things unless you are lucky enough to be rich enough to pay somebody else from day one. Uh, you, you know, and, and any, no matter who you are as a, as a, as a founder, I think you, you know, certainly a founder who says, oh, I'm not good at numbers. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that terrifies me, frankly, because what is a business? A business is um, a series of numbers on pieces of paper. Fundamentally, every business is that. And if you can't do that, then you probably should not be running a business or certainly you need a business partner who is good at that. So there's a sort of harsh perspective there for me on it. Um, but the funded point is a really good one. And, and, and of course it changes. And also as, as your business grows, you know, one of the things I've often felt is that your most important job as someone who founds and leads a business is to become brilliant at finding people who are better than you at everything that that business needs to do. And okay, you don't have to be a world-class expert in these things, but you have to at least be good enough to spot someone else who's good, I think. And I don't know if there's anywhere else to hide. Yeah, maybe these lucky funded people, or, or you, and it's a, it's a larger group than just one person on their own. Maybe you do have a bit more flexibility, but I think if you are on your own, and particularly if you're, you're growing organically, as you say, yeah, you just don't have that right. Sorry, yeah, I love, okay? I love, I love both. <laughs> I love both your shares there, and I, I particularly, you know, like the differentiation between what type of business are you. You know, if you're starting from scratch, entrepreneurial, very little investment, that's different to being an invested business. And I like the, the piece around if you are that entrepreneurial business without that 
funding, then one of the words you said there, Alex, was, was slowly. You know, do it slowly. Make sure that you get to know every side of the business and then when you're ready, scale. Um, and and because of course when you get into it you want to go at a thousand miles an hour but of course I think that's where a lot of businesses fail in the first year or two is that they go too quickly and, and, and they simply get it wrong because they don't know certain things and they're not prepared to, to, to either slow down um, and then the other piece that you said there Ben is, is about you know and I've done it myself in organizations are going you know get to a certain age I don't want to do that thing anymore I'm not good at it I just don't want to do it so find a partner who is you know, find a partner who is. And then to the funded piece from both of you, um, I think from, from, you know, Ben, you're saying about finding people that are better than you. And I absolutely agree with that. And with one other organisation um, that I'm working with, they've just done that. And we've just had our first day together. And wow, just the difference and the dynamic in that business is sensational. However, I think when you get to that point as a leader, You've got to learn how to lead those people, even though you may not be experts in those areas. So ensuring that you don't abdicate the responsibility fully to them. You've got to find a way of checking in, doing those checks and balances on a regular basis because everybody needs to be held accountable. Right. Um, so I thought that was really, really interesting. And clearly we could talk about that for a lot longer, uh, but we've got to move on. And we've got our red and Ben, you've read something in the last few days. Well, I have to confess I haven't. Interesting. Ah. <laughs> very cryptic. Very, very cryptic. confessions here on Founder Hacks. Yeah. So, uh, but I had I've read a lot around the thing, but I haven't actually read the thing because it's behind a paywall and I I, I couldn't get to it. Um, and actually, so, so, so my curiosity with this is that our former Prime Minister Liz Truss um, has written a four thousand word article uh, for the Sunday Telegraph, which is behind a paywall. Sadly, I haven't read other than a few excerpts. Um, and in this article, she um, she puts forth that that actually, um, effectively, her PM ship was never taken seriously. If you like, her mandate wasn't respected. Um, her plans were good plans um, for the country, and the reaction was a coordinated attack by, effectively, enemies, um, bringing her down. And she's taken this perspective. Um, what I've read a lot of is the reaction to this. Okay, from from all sides of the political spectrum, which I, I you know to, sub, to paraphrase it, I guess it's sort of people putting their hands to their heads and going, "What? <laughs> um, really? Wow!" Um, and almost a reaction as as as, as we're hearing someone who, who really isn't seeing it. That's that's the reaction from the rest of the world. Um, so not without any sort of you know, political judgment on who's right, who's wrong. There, I think that's not the point for me in this, and certainly bringing it here. The point is that we often talk about the importance of a founder or entrepreneur bringing a level of reality distortion filter, right? That we all have a way of looking at the world which sees the world differently and we just bring energy and determination to convince the world that what we're doing is going to be. It's that sort of belief that we bring in our business that convinces the world it's real and eventually you know, if we're successful the world comes with us you know businesses are fantasies businesses are things that only exist because everyone believes they do and it is in the founder to bring that almost unreasonable belief at times and make it so but when does that become a problem and how do we know so yeah, if you're sat in Liz Truss's position right now she's absolutely determinedly expressed this 
forceful view about the reality of the world that she believes. She absolutely believes. I don't doubt that for a second. And the entire world has turned around and gone, no, or the vast majority of it. I've not actually been able to, I was looking, I could not find a single article in support. So the whole world has turned around and said, no, you're wrong. So as a founder, that's a tough thing to manage, right? How do we know when that reality distortion filter has made us wrong? And, and you both look very excited to respond. And Alex went first last time. So Anthony, what, what do you reckon? How do you know? Oh, sorry, I beat Alex for a change. Okay. Um, um, well, I'm sure Alex has got something more profound to say than I. So, no. so that's why I think I should go. I think that's why I should go first. Well, firstly, um, and actually, you know, Ben, we, we spoke about it during our editorial and um, around my travels over the last few days. I mean, everybody's talking about it. And for me, I think the first thing that I feel is sadness. Sadness that we've got a mature individual who's reached the height of their, probably their height of their career. And, and then to see them, uh, you know, throw their toys out the pram and, and say it wasn't my fault, it was everybody else's. And I think that's, that's sad to see. And I think the thing that I really ponder is who's in her corner at the moment? Who, who's her tribe? Who's she got backing her up to say, really, Liz, I don't think this is a good idea. You know, you really, you know, get it off your chest by all means. Write it all out, get it off your chest, but please don't publish it, you know, because it's not a good idea. Um, and take time to to get over it. And maybe if you want to publish in a year's time, do so. Um, and I think that then leads to my overall thoughts about, I think what I've done in the past is what I what I naturally done, and maybe it's part of my insecurity and some of my fear, is I just speak to lots of people. So if I've got an idea, if there's something that I want to do, <clears throat> if there's something that I want to drive, is just speak to as many people as possible and listen to their reaction and then make your decision. Because I think, as you said, Ben, you're always going to err on the side of them doing this anyway. Um, but if you can speak to as many people as possible and just ask them some questions and really listen to their response and then you take your, you take your, you know, you make your decision and you go for it or, or not. Um, and clearly when you get bigger and when you can afford it, it's about having the right people around you. Right. Those people a bit like, you know, families can do, certainly mine can do, you know, turning up one day in the flash car and uh, thinking you've made it, you know, and then somebody says, what's that? You know, what's that sitting outside? Oh, OK. You think you've made it. Well, get in and do the washing up, will you? It's your turn or or whatever it may be. And you know, I'm reminded of that with families. And and that's what we kind of need, I think, um, as we go forward, a healthy balance of 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 people challenging rather than questioning, but challenging our thoughts, challenging um, what we're doing so we don't get it drastically wrong clearly we're going to get it wrong I mean something you said at the beginning Ben about you know you're going to get it wrong you know you will get it wrong at some point but well for me it's you will get it wrong a lot but it's about understanding how quickly or fail fast and then and then move on um, I think that makes some sense Alex I like it but I'm gonna I, I... It, it's annoyingly very close to what I was going to say. So it's going to sound like I'm completely copying you now. But yeah, well, my my take, like you, Ben, I don't have a paywall subscription to the Daily Telegraph. Uh, but my understanding of this from the little snippet, snippets I read was that she said, she claims, I have been told, I've been surrounded by people since I left office telling me it was the right strategy. It was, you know, I was on to something there. And I, that just made, just 
building on what you were saying. It's just maybe like, well, you're surrounding yourself with who exactly, you know? Who are these? These are your friends. These are people who are, are going to just tell you what you want to hear. And as, as a leader of a country or a business or whatever, you know, it's, do you really want, it's the easy, lazy option. You just surround yourself with people who look like you, who think like you, who will tell you what you want. And ultimately, do you, how do you grow as a person when you just have someone going, oh, yes, Anthony Enright, that's great. I will do that. Yes. Oh, Ben, how wonderful. Yes. Aren't you? Oh, you're looking so handsome today, may I say. You know, why, 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 why? You know, people who challenge, keep that cognitive diversity, that pool of people. And, you know, I, I always thought that a founder of a business should grow as his or her business grows. And that is this sort of growth mindset, accepting different views, thinking differently about things on a, you know, on a daily basis and growing as your company grows. And that's, that's where she sadly got very stuck. Anyway, that's them there. Them there's me thoughts. I do think we need to move on. As much as I like talking about her, I don't want to talk about her anymore. Uh, and I think that means that I'm last, uh, as usual, um, going into learned. So my learned for this week on the subject of getting it wrong is something that I feel quite passionate about. And that's this narrative that I hear so widely spoken and where, you know, at conferences and you know, blogs about entrepreneurs, like it's okay to fail. And it always, it always gets me, it always gets me a bit cross. It's like, it's not okay to fail. Any, any founder, you know, a founder gives up, often gives up so much to start a business, right? Their savings, a secure job, they remortgage their house. And if it goes wrong, it is catastrophic. And I have seen people who put it all on the line and they lose it all. And it's so awful. Um, and so this whole narrative, it's okay to fail, start a business, you know, fail fast, get up. I, I don't think anyone should go into a, any business venture thinking it's okay to fail. And, um, you know, that's that's really, that's the first thing. But this, this goes on to failure generally and reframing failure. So again, getting it wrong on the topic of this week's thing. There's a guy called Emmanuel Acho, I think it's pronounced. He is a inspirational speaker. He goes around, and my friend was telling me about him, an American footballer. And he goes around and gives speeches to corporations around the US. I think he was dropped five times from five different NFL teams, which is unprecedented. He is the king of failure. Um, but he doesn't call it failure, which is interesting. And this is the main thing I wanted to talk to you to, about today. He doesn't call it, he says, it's all about framing and the, the, the stories you tell yourself and the power the power that that has, which I'm really into at the moment. He doesn't talk about failure as failure. He talks about falling over. He goes, if I fail, I fall over. I dust myself off and I get back up again. And it's these little things that we tell each other, we tell ourselves, which I find very, very important. So yeah, I wanted to chuck that out to you two. Are you a believer in you know, the stories you tell yourselves and do you think, you know, this thing about failure, not framing it as failure, as, as you know, I've fallen over and I'm getting up like this man, the master of reinventing himself. What do you think? Load of old crap or has, <laughs> has some merit? I've got a different take on it for you, I think, maybe. Okay. Good. Um, because... Disagree with me. Disagree with what we've been talking about. Well, I, I wonder if what you're sharing is what works for you. <laughs> so yeah. there are two kinds of people that I've well 
There are many kinds of people, but in this particular metaphor, there are going to be two kinds of people. There are people who are driven by a fear of failure. And there are people who are hampered by a fear of success. And actually, depending on which type you are, I've seen some people, because they are unafraid to fail, succeed very greatly. Because they have no fear. And they take bigger risks and they go bolder and further because they're not hampered by this terror of, of, of what it would be like to fail. They say, oh no, I might fail because I'm going to take a really big risk. And actually they can go further and faster because of that. Equally, on the other side, there are people who are driven by a, a, a fear of failure, which is imperative, that productive paranoia that, that that absolute tenacity and clinging on and any means necessary and clawing your way to the top of the mountain with bloody fingernails. Those people can be very successful too. Um, and I think what feels important to me is knowing which kind you are that gets the best performance out of you. And it, it, are you someone who actually... You, you need to be unafraid of failure because that will drive you further and faster. Or do you need to be someone who acutely feels that? Or maybe somewhere in the middle. But I wonder if it is about your relationship with it that's critical and understanding what gets the best out of you, I suppose. Because of course, you know, when I hear you say that, I go, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I know I'm incredibly tenacious. Um, I, I will not let it die. I will push and push myself to the point of breaking um, before I will let anything I'm involved with die or fail. Um, at the same time, I also know that by being unafraid to fail, uh, that probably gets more out of me than being someone who's constantly worrying about it. Uh, so I think it's relationship. And I love the reframing, of course. Let's get up again. Ant, what do you think? Um. Well, I think, first of all, it depends on your definition of failure. So if you fail, does that mean it's the end? So, or does it just mean it's a bump in the road? And I think, Alex, that's what, um, that's what you're talking about, is actually failure isn't the end. It's actually, you've just fallen over. doesn't mean yeah. you can't get back up, brush yeah. yourself off and, and, and carry on down the road. Um, and, but, but actually, if you, you know, I agree with you, Ben, if you do have a, a fear of failing and that being the end, then, you know, clearly that can be quite um, debilitating. Um, so I think actually in your summary, Ben, I think it's somewhere in the middle. But actually where I'm sort of left pondering is it's actually, it's not just about you, because clearly we can't have a successful business without a team around us. So it's what, how do we, what's our relationship with failure that we then put onto our team in order to get the best out of the team? And... I have to say, in my experience, most employees and team members that really care about the business, that really do want to do a great job, have this overwhelming fear of letting somebody down, either the owner or the, the overall business. And as a result, they don't necessarily push themselves as hard as they should. And don't, you know, that they have some great ideas, but don't execute against them because it's just so, they do not want to let the business down or the or the or the owner down. And where I see that, that's where I go in and, and encourage that it's okay as long as we have the checks and balances in place, as long as we we, we fall over quickly, right? And we recognise when we've fallen over so we can pick ourselves up and go again. 
And so, so for me, I think, yeah, when the business is in its infancy, it's clear about what's our relationship. I know for me, uh, the, the fear of the fear of failure drives me. The fear of not doing a good job drives me. And spoken a lot in the past about what happens if I remove that to potentially a more healthier mindset. Um, what drives me then, right? And that's not for now. That's maybe for another for another episode. Um, but then for later on, it's what does it do for your team? And and actually, I I do tend towards to what toward the the path of no no you've got to give your staff some freedom and let them know it's okay to fall over it's absolutely okay but we just got to recognize when we do it and do it quickly and then work out what we're going to do next to avoid falling falling over how would you summarize all of that alex i i think it's really interesting that the that people has different attitude to fear of, of failure it can either be a good thing or a bad thing. And I, that's what I'm taking out of this. I'm actually, I've, I'm, you've made me rethink it, guys. This whole attitude that it can, can be good to have no fear of failure. And what's good for me isn't good for someone else. So that's what I'm taking from it. Um, that there's a mindset around failure that's not a one size does not fit all. And that's what you're leaving me with today. Mm. So thank you. Very good, very good. Well, we are at time. I'll do my best to summarise our conversation today. So sometimes getting it wrong is a realisation your business needs something that you simply cannot do. Maybe you're not even able to judge the quality when someone else takes it on. Being a founder is hard, and sometimes there is nowhere to hide. If you're an organic founder, maybe you've just lost the right to be not good at things. So beware. Get good at enough at everything to pick someone better than you. And maybe these are the places you need to find a partner. The difference that someone better than you can make can be profound. But leading without being the expert will remain a lifelong challenge. We often talk of founders with a maniac belief in what they're doing. A reality distortion filter, if you will. But how do we know when this is making us wrong? Who is your tribe to test where you are? A trusted inner circle, perhaps, who you trust to believe in you, but to be honest with you and keep you grounded. Being open to challenge may perhaps also help you to have the best chance of not getting it wrong. And surrounding yourself with people who look and think like you and only want to agree with you may not be always the best choice. Often, for us, failure is not an option. Giving yourself permission to fail may or may not be the best motivator for you, but knowing your relationship with both success and failure might be the best way to ensure you're delivering the absolute best performance you can for your business. And of course, what do we mean by failure? It may not be the end. And to pick up a phrase that I know we've often shared on Founder Hacks. If it's not okay, it's not the end. So dust yourself off, get back up, and have another go. Great Founder Hacks, guys. Very good, very good. It remains to say, as always, a massive thank you and uh, goodbye to Alex Moore. Thanks, guys. Thanks for making me think today. 
very welcome. You made me think too. And uh, an equally uh, uh, an equally grateful thank you to Anthony Enright. Thank you both. Thank you both. Remind of everyone, if you'd like to be notified about your freshly minted founder hacks, you can go and sign up to our little newsletter that lets you know when a new episode is released on uh, uh, www.atomics.co.uk slash founder hacks. Until next time, I've been Ben Thomas. This has been Founder Hacks. Thanks very much for listening.